If you have a Bible nearby, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to head that direction, we'll get there in a, in a few minutes. Um, been in a, in a series during this Easter season, uh, kind of focusing in on the ascension of Christ and his, his ongoing ministry to us. And so uh, Jesus uh, goes through Passion Week, through Holy Week, he dies and he's buried, and on the third day, he is raised from the dead. He walks around and in, the, in, the, in his resurrected body, uh, ministering and teaching, and it's a fascinating window of time of his ministry. And then, then he, he gathers his disciples, and he gives them a final charge. And then he ascends, like he literally goes up into the air, in, into the heavens, uh, into the sky, and then he his his ministry takes on uh, it, in some ways he's con- he's continuing what he was doing he's just doing it in a different way, but his ministry it, it continues. It wasn't that 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 was the end of his ministry, and then in uh, a little while when the Holy Spirit is sent at Pentecost, then you know Jesus is just kind of done for a little while. His ministry is ongoing. It, it continues. His ministry is active at this very moment. And so we've spent a few weeks. That's kind of been our our theme uh, since since uh, Easter Sunday, looking at the ascension and looking at what what is Jesus doing now in these moments. And one of the things that that you'll find uh, one if if you don't need to turn to it, but in First Peter chapter three verse twenty two, this is a good summary of where we'll be today. It says in talking about the resurrection of Jesus, it's it's. It says, Jesus, who has gone into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. And so he's gone into heaven and he's at the right hand of God. And that's a, that's a phrase that is used a number of times. I have examples here in front of me um, in Psalm 110, Colossians 3. Hebrews 1, 8, 10, and 12, and then 1 Peter 3. That, that phrasing, the, the right hand of God, that is, that is a, a part, that's something that we really need to be able to, to understand and to, to drag into our lives, so to speak. Uh, something that, that, that's a part of how we think about Jesus. Uh, what is he doing right now? Well, he's at the right hand of God. But that, that would have... Uh, it would have registered certain things to his or, the original readers of the scriptures uh, that maybe doesn't necessarily kick in with us right away. And so, uh, let me talk for a second about what that what that phrase means um, in in the the biblical world, meaning at that time in history, but also in that part of the world. Uh, to speak a, to sit at someone's right hand meant a couple of things. One, it was a place of distinction. And so, if you if you were to have people into your home, uh, remember we could have people into our homes. That was awesome. Uh, if you would have people into your home, uh, your special guest would sit at at the right hand of the host. And so, you're distinguishing this like whoever's seated at your right hand, distinguishing them from from everyone else. Not in a but but not in a bad way, in a in a very good way. This is the this is where the guest of honor. Sits. So there's distinction. Um, it's also it's a way to honor them. It's a way to communicate to your guest. This this is how I feel about you. This is how special you are to me. As I want you to sit here at my right hand. Those ideas were were caught up in there culturally. And then if, if you're talking about a royal situation, you're talking about the the king and him ruling. 
uh, there's there's a special authority that comes when the king has distinguished you and has honored you in such a way to sit at his right hand. Uh, that was a that was a place where uh, of tremendous power at that time as well. And so, to the original readers, when they when they hear that idea that he's at the right hand of God, it means that God has has distinguished him from everyone else. That God is it wants to communicate honor. But also that that authority has has been given to him, and so when we think about the ascension, we can really think about it as the this is the coronation of a king. We've seen enough movies and and read you know enough literature and stuff like that to 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 think in terms of a, a coronation. But when a new king ascends to the throne, it's a it's a huge huge thing for the entire kingdom. And there's, it's this really significant moment. And so the ascension is, is Jesus going from earth into heaven, which we've kind of covered in the last couple of weeks. The heaven is not, it's not way far away up there. The heaven and earth, uh, they, they overlap and they interlock in this way. That, but, but he's gone from, from earth, from our space, into God's space, into heaven. But he's gone there, and this was a coronation moment for him to come and, and be seated on the throne of the universe, for him to have that, that honor and that distinction and that authority. And so you might remember um, at, the, at the very end of his earth, time on earth, right before the ascension, when he's giving what, what we have, what, what has been dubbed the Great Commission, he, he tells him in Matthew 28, he says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority, think about that for a second, all authority in, in heaven and on earth has, has been given to me. That was given to the resurrected Jesus. That when, when the Spirit of God raised him from the dead and God put his, his uh, stamp of approval, so to speak, on, on the sacrifice that Jesus made, that there was a transfer of, of authority that, that went onto like onto Jesus in into Jesus giving him all the authority in both realms in heaven and and on earth and so that's that was the resurrected Jesus when he ascended that's just further confirmation that what he says in Matthew 28 has actually happened that when he says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me that's true but from a human perspective it's easy to to say oh, okay well anyone can say anything and then when he like goes into the sky you know when he goes into into heaven and takes the takes the throne there's something so significant of saying oh that that validates everything the resurrection of jesus validates his entire life and ministry and the ascension just adds one more layer to that validation um in Philippians chapter two, there's a passage that that we use a lot here at Living Hope, and that a lot of you are probably familiar with. Um, it says in verse nine, it says, "Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord." to the glory of God the Father. That the glory of God the Father is giving this authority to, to Jesus the Son. And Jesus the Son and his coronation in, into heaven, he is he's seated at the right hand of God, which is not a, a, literal, uh, a literal thing. Uh, God is spirit. God doesn't have 
a body like we do. Jesus does. God the Father does not. So there isn't a, a literal right hand. It's more a, of this, this biblical language, this poetic expression of saying, He is seated and He is ruling the throne of the universe from heaven. He's ruling heaven and He's ruling earth all at the same time. And so Jesus, the, incar- the incarnation, this union of God and man, He is the one that is ruling heaven and earth. And the ascension is is a part of that ongoing ministry that he has to all of us as God just confirms uh, the power and the ministry uh, of of Christ to us. So I know that that might be a, a very quick summary, but you kind of get the idea of what we're talking about. We're talking about the kingship of Jesus and the ascension as a part of his coronation. And in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, Paul uh, Paul. There's, there's so much here. I mean, you could spend so much time in, in Paul's letters. But in chapter 1, he, he has this, this fantastic description that I'm going to read. And then we're going to go through it a little bit at a time and um, see what God has to say. I'm going to start in the middle of the paragraph uh, just for the sake of time. Um, but one of the things he, he, he wants, he's basically saying, this is what I'm praying for you. This is what I want you to know. And uh, here's one of the things in the list. So I want you to know... Verse 19, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he starts off in, in verse 19, and he's saying, one of the things I want you to know is I want, I want you to know the power of the resurrection. I want you to know the, the power of God that, that was expressed and worked out and demonstrated in raising Jesus from the dead, I want you to know that which which is not it's not like knowing with our mind. It's it's knowing from experience. It's knowing through us also being resurrected. That's a part of what he wants us to know. And he points us back to Jesus. And I want to I want to start. I want to go just a little at a time. Um, starting in verse twenty one. So we said that we've seen this power and Christ is there and he's been raised and he's seated at the right hand in heavenly places. Look at how he describes it. Look at verse 21. It's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Okay, let's stop, let's stop right there. Rule, authority, power, dominion. There's a, this is Paul kind of trying to ex- explain that there's, a, there's this fabric uh, that's woven together in our world that creates, it's like this system of, of good things and bad things that, that all works together, that they seem to, to control a lot of the way things work in our broken world. Um, and this is kind of Paul's summary, and some of these things are good things. Uh, there are, are, are plenty of examples of, of things in our world uh, that, are, uh, um, that fall into these categories of rule, authority, power, dominion. 
some of these things are, are great. They come from a place of love. Uh, we see we see these things working sometimes to to care for those who are in need and to look out for the um, the marginalized and, and those kind of things. A lot of these powers can be good, and it's a reflection of the fact that that we're all made in the image of God, and we all we all bear that image. And even though it's distorted, that image starts to shine through, which is why you see people who are who who are not believers, they're not redeemed, but yet they're doing things that are very Christ-like. And it's because we bear his image. And so some of the things that, as, that weave together in that fabric, some of them are really good, and some of them are just absolutely terrible. Uh, some of them are proof of our brokenness and proof that we need divine redemption. We needed someone to step in who's greater than ourselves. And so what Paul does is he, he kind of sums up these, these what, what I would call forces, and he uses these, these four ideas, rule, authority, power, dominion. So rule, that's talking about like the, the laws that govern um, we have we have great laws, like some 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 laws that do a great job of protecting people, and and there's just a lot of good that's done with laws in some places, and there's a lot of harm that's done, and that varies from place to place, and different countries and different systems of government and all those kinds of things. Not here to debate all that. Just saying that some some of the rule of law is good and some of it is bad. Um, he says authority, and this would this would kind of point to like our some of our political systems and. Courts and uh, the use of military and law enforcement and all those kind of things. There are tremendous good that's there's, there's tremendous good that's done in our world through all of those systems. And then sometimes, especially uh, in in certain parts of the world, uh, that's where a lot of the evil will will show up as well. And so uh, all those things we see good and we see the bad as part of the fabric. Um, he says power. These are are the um, this is like that influence and control that we see. Um, there are, are people out there who can, they can, uh, it seems like all they have to do is say something or put something on social media or write an article or whatever it could be. And it's like their influence just, just can shift a whole group of people in one direction or, or another. Um, or there's a, that's also sometimes used in a control mechanism as, as well. And so we have like very powerful people and very powerful systems and organizations and all that kind of stuff. Some of them doing tremendous good, some of them doing a lot of harm. Um, and the fourth thing he says is dominion. Uh, this this is taken to mean like the when when the powerful are ruling over those who are powerless. There's a lot of, of dominion now. And again, sometimes that can be a great thing. Sometimes when you have powerful people and organizations, they can go in and they can do a tremendous amount of good for those who within this system just have no voice. Uh, sometimes it's for their good, and sometimes it's it's not for their good. And so a little bit of, of when you take all this, um, all these things working together, the, the, the laws and the political systems and the courts and the military and the inf- influence and control and uh, like all these things, if you think of them as a tapestry, as a fabric, it's all woven together, mixed with great things and terrible things and all that. Uh, that is something that we kind of live, we kind of live under this blanket, so to speak. Uh, in our world. And it seems sometimes as though some of those things are so, um, there's, there's so much power and so much influence and so much control that it's very easy for us to feel helpless in various ways. Um, 
And it's a very normal thing. And it might not be something that you feel on a daily basis, but there are sometimes you come up against something and it just seem it's just it seems to just be impossible to overcome it. It seems possible impossible to bring about change. And we end up feeling powerless and helpless sometimes because the 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 rule and authority and powers and, and dominions are so strong. And so uh, one of the things I want to ask the group that's here with us this morning is like if we were to get specific, like what are what are some of those uh, those those systems of rule, authority, uh, power, and dominion that sometimes just really make you feel powerless or helpless? They just they seem to be so strong. It's like how in the world is this ever going to get any any better? So throw that to the to the group and see uh, how you guys would would answer that. I don't even know that I could narrow it down to one. I think it's any time you see one of these areas seeming to gain traction or it just looks like they are going to win mm-hmm. or when you do see them win temporarily. Um, I think that's when it's it could be any of the four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of a, it's a hard question to answer because it's like, any of them? Can, can you choose them all? You yeah, know? they all feel oppressive in that same way. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of like you. I feel like any example I think of, it's a mixture yeah. of them. Like the, I thought of two examples. One is like anytime there's an election, I always feel like I'm just voting between the two people. Which one do I like the least? And <laughs> let me vote for that guy or, or the other guy. And the other one I've been thinking of is uh, with the way – social media works now and how it in itself can almost make you feel um, powerless in a lot of ways to speak or to think in a certain way because it seems like everybody is is pushing towards one thing and it can just kind of shut you down, I guess. Yeah, definitely. It's good. Yeah, I think I'm kind of in there with y'all and, and I feel like I'm really powerless or helpless, you know, when it comes to the, you know, you cannot win. You use the word win, that they're winning. So yeah. I feel like when we can't win, you know, or we can't defeat what's wrong with the systems. Mm-hmm. And so it's especially like where each one of those things, you know, rule, power, authority, and dominion play a role in the suffering. You know, so it just becomes this thing where you can't stop the suffering in this world yeah. and people suffering. And so it's. You know, I know even though we can't win, we still, you know, are, we can join with those who are suffering. And, and uh, I don't know if that's a little soulless, but it seems like each of those four plays a role in the, the world's suffering and people's yeah. suffering. And that's, that's a real hopeless, kind of helpless feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to to get, like, worked up about something or... You, know, you become passionate about something that's happening and you want to like, I got to do something about this. And you take a step in that direction and you see like the walls that are up because of these things. Um, and even the fact that the good ones and the bad ones are woven together, it's like, you can't even tell the difference sometimes. And um, you know, it's like, like take, take the issue of human trafficking. Um, there's so much good that's happening. And, and the more you find out, the more you, you, you realize how, what a like, global, massive, like, power, like, it's just so financially lucrative. Uh, it just seems like, like, what are, how do you even begin to make a difference? How do you overcome it? And um, those, 
that summary, I, I love it because I feel like it's all-encompassing. I feel like we can all agree. We look at those. I can think of great examples of all four of them, and I can think of terrible examples of all four of them, ways the world's getting better and ways that it isn't. And it, become, it can become very overwhelming to the point where, where you want to just kind of just become very reclusive and say, oh, I'm, not gonna, I'm just not even going to try because it feels futile. Um, so he says all that in verse 21. And the, the first half, the second half, um, he says, and above every name that is named. So it's, there's these forces, and then, then he's like, and then there's all the names. And it's a reminder that there are people associated with all these forces, you know, that there are, are names behind them. And some, sometimes we know the names and sometimes we don't know the names. And so it's not like we're, we're fighting this, uh, this like, uh, I don't know, this, this force that, that is just kind of other, other than us. We're talking about other people. And you have like all the names that are named, and so whether we're talking about, uh, you know, elect, you brought up elected officials or dictators and kings and generals, or, or you get into landowners and oil and gas, you know, companies and um, banks and people who control the money, and then there's like the warlords around the world and human traffickers, and there's there's these are all people. You won't you won't get to a point where you find where you don't won't find a person behind all of these forces that seem to be so powerful in our world. And uh, it, it's easy to feel like for us, like, oh, well, those, those names, those, those are the ones who can actually do something about it. You know, what, what good am I going to do? Like, I'm just, a, I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy in Baton Rouge. What am I going to do about this? Should it, like, shouldn't it, shouldn't it have to be on like this, should it have to be a celebrity first, you know, or at least like super wealthy or have some sort of power. Shouldn't I have to get to where I'm either I'm in rule or authority or power or dominion in order to make a difference. And we end up stepping back and just being like, well, what, what good is it going to do? You know, um, that, that's the, that's a part of what that fabric does is it's, it's deceptive and it, it creates this illusion of power and authority and all this. And what Paul is saying here is he's echoing what the rest of the scriptures are saying is that Jesus is far above all those things. It says that he is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. It's, it's all of it. He's above the fabric. He's above the people that weave the fabric. He's above all of it. The good things, the bad things, it doesn't really matter. That he is not only above it, he is far above it. Far above all those things. So regardless of what appears to be the case, for you for you and me and for us to really embrace, regardless of what appears to be the case, Jesus is in authority over all of those powerful forces and of all, all those powerful people. That he is the one seated on the throne. He is at the right hand of God. All authority has been given to him. And so what seems to be the case is not really all of the case. And, uh, you know, it... I was I read about this a couple of years ago, like it kind of putting it into perspective. Like at one point, at one point on the on the Earth, they thought that this that when they looked into the sky and they saw the the stars and that kind of stuff, they thought that that was the farthest thing out there. And then the more that we have learned and know, we know that like there's stuff we can't even see. You know, it's, it goes so far beyond that. 
And that's some of what we're trying to, what I think Paul is trying to help us understand. That's why he's praying for the church in Ephesus, that they would, that they would know this, this kind of power, this power that is beyond and above all those things. Even though it seems to be there's nothing greater than these powers and rules and authorities and dominions, even though there, how in the world can there be anything more powerful than them? It's like, no, there's something beyond. There's something that is far above. There's someone who's far above. And his name is Jesus, and like he is the king ruling the universe. And so a part of what we have to grab onto is that, is that there is no force that is ultimate. There is no name that is ultimate. That he is far above all of these things and all of these people. This doesn't mean that everything is perfect all the time. Of course, we look around our world, and there's, that fabric is still there. There are people rebelling against the king. Absolutely. It doesn't mean that, that, he, that everything is perfect. Um, what it does mean, though, is for us to remember that the king is, like, he is seated, and he is ruling, and he is reigning. That is an active, ongoing thing. That's happening. And so these powers and rulers and authorities and dominions and all these people associated with they don't get the last word. It may seem that way right now, and they have some influence right now. But it is trending in a direction where where that all that rule and power and stuff will come to an end. That there is someone who is above them, and so they may get they may get their way here and there and, and that kind of stuff. But it is moving in a direction as the kingdom of God permeates that fabric. Then change comes our way, and that begins with us as God's people not buying into the lies that that fabric is all that there is. That there's no one greater than those forces in our world. And so for us, we, we have to take this, this belief that Jesus is above those things, those, seem, those things that seem so powerful and make us feel helpless sometimes, that he is seated far above them and that he is, he is our king. And so as, as that begins to happen, we push against that, that fabric and we realize there's something greater going on, then it, begin, then it starts applying in our lives and we start to to like engage with our king who is is actively ruling and reigning not only the universe and all those things but he's looking at my life and he's saying i i know what's best for you i i have i have plans for you and they're awesome and so i i as your as the king of everything want to be the king in, of your life and i want us to walk forward in these in these certain things and sometimes that comes with certain challenges and we have to figure out uh, uh, what to, to let that be a comfort to us, and and because when we really begin to to realize the the beauty of this reality, then it, it helps us. Uh, it helps kind of slow our heart rate down a little bit. It helps us not get so anxious about certain things, because we're like, yeah, these forces seem really strong, but but I know the one who's far above them. And so last week, so started kind of trying to add some different elements into the live stream, and one of them was going to various community groups and just asking them to answer a question, kind of like we're doing here and kind of like we do in, in groups. And uh, moving from group, different groups each week, you know, kind of moving around, letting you see some, see some other faces and hear some other voices. And so uh, our Prairieville groups had this question thrown to them this week, which essentially is like, okay, so when you, when you take all this and you bring it into your life, in, in what area of life, do you find great comfort in knowing that Jesus is in authority over, over all things? 
So it could be a really specific area of your life. It could be big picture, global, global stuff. But just how is that a comforting thing? This, this being applied to your life, how does it comfort you? And so uh, let's, uh, let's go to the video and let's hear what some of our friends uh, in Prairieville had to say. Right now, uh, our lives look a lot different than they used to. And for me, it's easy to put my focus on this little micro world I've created for myself. Whether it's homeschooling kids or staying healthy, um, it can be easy to forget who's really in charge of all of it, the whole world, the whole universe around us, and not just our own little life. Um, In Colossians 1, Paul says, uh, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And um, I just love that that's a great reminder and a comfort that God is um, over all of it. He's created all of it, and he's put it into place, and he has dominion and authority over the seen and the unseen. In thinking about Christ as king, ruling and reigning, um, I think if I were to lose or leave my job, which is a huge source of anxiety or or sometimes pride, you know, in me. Um, I know that God would provide, um, and that brings peace to me. Uh, he would provide through my community, through my family. Um, he would provide, and He would do that, and I trust that He would do that because of the faithfulness and the goodness that He's already shown me, how He's provided, how His character is generous, how He doesn't condemn, how He cares for things such as the birds of the field, uh, and tells me how much more He cares for me. So while I say it would be very stressful and difficult to walk through, I think there's a peace deep inside of me because of the character of the king, uh, the character of my king. I'm thankful that Jesus has reigning authority over my kids and my family. When I think about that question, I immediately go to the verse in Revelations that says God was and he is and he is to come. And that is very comforting to me to know that um, God has authority over everything that has happened in my life already, what I am currently walking through and what I will walk through in the future. And so even with the unknown or the uncertainty, when I'm in the middle of something like the current situation, um, He is already victorious. And he has already given me everything I needed for this moment, whether it's mentally or emotionally or physically. He knew he has provided and he will continue to provide. When I think about Christ's reign over all creation, uh, the area that I'm most thankful that he has authority over is over uh, my sin. Uh, I know that if he didn't have power over sin, it would certainly kill me. And I love that saying that Uh, that he's saved me from the consequences of sin. Uh, He's currently saving me from the power of sin, and one day he'll save me uh, from the presence of sin. I'm thankful for his authority over that uh, in my life. So thanks to our Prairieville friends for answering that. Let Let me hear from a couple of you guys, too. What... Um, when you think about Jesus being the king and ruling and reigning over all of it, uh, how is that comforting to you? Yeah, I think for me, it's where I feel most helpless and most powerless. It's where I usually feel most comforted by Jesus as, as that as our king. 
And so I'll, I'll kind of just answer the same thing. It's in that area of uh, suffering that, you know, that he holds authority over that. And, you know, that authority is, uh, it just has to do with our reality. And so, and Jesus is someone who knows about suffering. So he is an authority of that reality that we experience. And that goes, you know, literally from our first breath to that, to our last breath, you know, that last exhalation of, of air that leaves us and escapes us. He, he's ruling and reigning over that. And so I feel, I, I just receive a ton of comfort knowing he knows and that he's with us. It's mm. yeah. good. For me, it's um, mainly like if there's a broad answer and then more specific, but mine is more specific where it's in my sh- shortcomings and like the various roles that I play. But most specifically, it's through my parenting and the way that I discipline and like fall short of how you should do that well and through love and things like that. But, um, but where I find comfort is knowing that like through God's authority and power and influence, um, there's grace and there's pruning through those shortcomings. And whereas with the world, there's, um, there's more condemnation and shame and guilt. And so, like, being able to walk through those moments where, like, I know I'm falling short, but I'm still kept in hell by the one who loves deeply and cares and prunes and shapes and helps me grow from those, like, shortcoming decisions. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm more on the, uh, the micro like you, the, the more intimate part of how you know he's ruling and reigning over all these things and then at the same time he's right there sitting next to us helping us to make decisions and leading us on how to parent or on a business or whatever is going on and that it's just nice that I guess believing in God and and Jesus that there's like a place you can stop instead of there just being this never ending worry or you know, you just can't turn it off, but you can just set it at his feet and, and leave it there. Yeah. 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 Hmm. yeah. I think when I first read the question, I thought about just redemption in general. I was thinking about my personal redemption and the authority that he showed over so many different parts of my life to basically chase me down. And then just thinking about the redemption of other people. Um, I always say that when I serve communion at any point, I'm just like bawling the whole time because... <laughs> Every single person that comes up, I'm like, their redemptive story, how God got to them and he redeemed them and he redeemed them. And so when I think about big picture redemption, that he has authority over our sanctification, over our healing, um, over every good or bad experience, like they're all redeemable because of his authority. And so I think looking at his authority, I also think about mercy and loving kindness and how it's through that mercy and loving kindness that he brings healing and restoration that looks like redemption. Um, so yeah, I just feel super thankful for that because it's not—it's the thing that overturns all the hopelessness that we feel, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, like the this whole thing, this entire subject, like from the from the most g- big global massive issues all the way down to the most like intimate personal things that we're going through his his vastness his a part of what paul is praying is that you would know that that kind of power is that he's able to cover the entire spectrum with complete fullness 
He's not having to divide himself up among all these things. He's able to give his entire self to these massive things and like these really, you know, personal intimate things. And so, you know, right now we're all we're all trying to figure out um, when, in terms of, of of the the virus. And now they're talking about going into phase one and starting to open up slowly and all that. And and everyone's trying to figure out what to do, you know. And so and the church is no different. Like we're all we're trying to figure out well. Just because they say we can gather doesn't mean that we should. And how should we do this and this and this? And and it's so easy to to feel like like you are the one that has to navigate your own life. And this is a reminder that no, you you have a king who is far above all all of those things. You you have a, a king who is is seated and ruling and reigning over all of it. And so all we have to do is is ask for that leadership. Um, I was telling someone this week, uh, you guys probably heard me say it before, that uh, the, the comparison that I heard one time about saying, like, like we, we feel like, like following the Lord is like a sailboat. Like we have to sail the boat in the right direction. Tell us which way to go and we'll go. And the reality is that our, it's not our job to sail the boat in the right direction. It's our job to keep the sails up so that when the wind comes and God wants to push us in a direction, we're, we're ready to hear. We're ready to respond. And I think a part of that is is remembering who he is and where he is and, and what he's ready to do. That as we're coming up against all these these rules and powers and authorities and dominions and all these kind of things that are there, um, he is seated above them with that perspective, ready to send the wind. And if our sails are down and we're panicky and we're just kind of trying to be self-reliant and figure it out on our own, then, it's, then we wonder, why don't I feel the Lord's leadership, you know? He's saying, no, keep the sails hoisted, you know, pray, be in the word, live in, live in community, stay connected to the vine so that if, if the wind is not moving, you're not freaking out. You're like, no, sails are up. You know, when he's ready to show me, he'll show me. And so uh, all of this is so very relevant, not just because we're in a pandemic. It's relevant every minute of our lives for the rest of our lives. And so from the oldest to the youngest, we all need to, to take great comfort in knowing that this is where Jesus is, far above all of those things that seem to be so powerful. And they seem to, to have so much authority, and they can sometimes just make us feel like, well, what's, what's the point? I'm just going to get pushed along through my life anyway. That our king is, is above all those things. And then uh, it, he says uh, he's far above all, all of those things and all the people. In the end of verse 21 not only in this age, but also in the one to come. What he's doing is he's comparing, um, like if you think of the age we're in now and the one to come is when Jesus returns and the new earth is created and uh, everything is made new and we live for eternity. He's equating the reign of Jesus in both of those things. That he's reigning right now just like he will in the future. It's the same authority, the same power, the same all of it that is there. And so in this minute, Jesus has has that same rule and power that he will on this new earth that we can't wait to get to. He's giving us access to that now. That we don't have to we don't have to die and go to heaven in order to to live under this kind of authority and this kind of leadership. Um, verse twenty two, as I as I close out here. All that, and then it says, and he put all things under his feet. That's a biblical phrase that, that, that basically just means that something has been conquered. 
that all of these things that seem to be at, at the at the height for us, they're all they're under His feet. That He has He has conquered them. And when when it says He's put all things, that's a literal. It's all things. There isn't anything that has escaped. There's nothing that's gotten away from Him. He's put all things under His feet. And then and this is the second part of twenty two, and gave Him as head over all things to the church. He's given like we have been given like that that king a part of what he's doing while he's ruling and reigning is he is leading his church he's leading his people and uh, Taylor can vouch for me in every elder meeting it, someone says it like we're not, we're not the boss here it's not our church it's, it's not ours to decide it's not ours to shepherd we're not the leader of this church Jesus our, our church has a leader and he's great at it you know. In our lives, we, it's, just, it's the same thing. And so he has been given to us, um, given head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he is sharing that reign with us. He's including us in that. And so as the kingdom of God permeates that fabric, we're how that happens. We're not the ones cowering in the corner. We're, we're, we are the ones walking in confidence because we are connected to the king who's ruling over all of it. And yeah, sometimes it's easy to get overwhelmed by, by the world and by those, those systems that seem so strong and, and overwhelmed by all, the, our, all our own stuff and our own baggage. And it's so easy to get caught up in that and kind of feel defeated. And here Paul is saying, you, I'm praying that you would know that, that power. That power that that is Jesus's and that He has shared with you through the resurrection. That He what what does He do with this power? Does He do what humans do with power? No. What does He do with this power? He prays for you, like we talked about last week. He leads you down paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He comforts. He guides. He disciplines. Like He He does all all the things that that He's supposed to do to shape us and to grow us and to give us the life we were supposed to have the whole time. It's just our own rebellion and sin got in the way. We see the, the kindness of the incarnation. We see the, the heart and the, and, and the love of Christ through his death and his burial. We see the power of God displayed through, his, through the resurrection. We see the, the, the heart of Jesus for his people in this ongoing ministry that as the king of the universe, what does he want to do? He wants to take care of his, of his people. And that's what he's doing. And so for you who are watching for us in this room, this is reality. This is, this is what we walk in. This is the truth about who God is and who we are. And the ascension of, of Christ is uh, it's this, this beautiful thing that helps us really like connect to what's, what's happening in this moment, what's real and true uh, about me. And what's real is that Jesus has gone ahead of me and that my hope is anchored, but it's not anchored in this world. It's not anchored where, where those rulers and powerful things and dominions and authorities, it's not anchored in that fabric. Mine goes beyond the veil. My anchor is in heaven. And that changes everything. It changes how I pray. It changes how I interact with people. It changes how, how I plan. It changes how I, how I spend money. It changes how I, how I steward all the different things that I have. It, it's, it changes everything. And Paul is praying that the church in Ephesus would know that. And I think we need to be receiving those prayers and saying, yeah, we, we want to know that too. We want, to, we want that to make a difference in our lives. And Jesus is so ready 
to make that real and true for us. And so if, if you're in a place where, where you are already walking in this and you've been grabbing onto this, take this as just a, a word of encouragement and spurring on it. Just keep going. That Paul, Paul would pray that you would continue to go to the depths. And if, if this is something that's either new or like, oh, I hadn't been walking in that, uh, let's, let's receive that as, as the same thing, as an invitation to go deeper with the Lord and to, to really grab onto what he has for us in this. Because this, this is happening in this moment, that he is ruling and he is reigning. Um, and why would any of us want to say no to that? It's just it's a beautiful thing. And so I hope this has been helpful to you this morning. Um, we uh, we're gonna we're gonna teach you a song, or we just kind of learned it today, actually. But it's a song that uh, the more I sing it, it's one of those ones where I'm like, man, I, I can't wait to sing that with everybody uh, in, in the room again. And so uh, we're gonna do a song. I'm gonna ask Meg to pray for us, and we'll sing a little bit, and then uh, we'll we'll wrap up for today. So Meg, would you would you pray for us?